let me tell you something. New Life Church is in the business of changed lives. Like, that's what we're about. That's, I mean, we have NLC on the sign, but the name is New Life Church. It's right there in the name. We believe when you meet Jesus, you get a brand new life. That's what God has called us to do. This is our mission. I want you to see our mission up on the screen. We're going to put it up here. This is it. This is why we exist, to reach our friends and family with the life-giving message of Jesus to see them become fully devoted followers of Christ. Hold that right there. Look, this is what we're here for, church. We're here. We exist in this world. God put us here. He put us in the places where you live, where you work, where you go to school, so that the friends that you have there, the relationships that you have, the people that are around you, that you can bring them to Jesus. Because we believe that Jesus changes everything. He is the only hope that we have. So we bring our friends, we bring our family, we bring the people that we know to Jesus. We give them the life-giving hope of the gospel. And that's, we, we come and we bring them to Jesus and we don't just stop there. We want to see them become fully devoted followers of him. That's the difference. You have, our prayer is that all of you, all of us, would be fully devoted followers of Christ. Not just acquainted with Jesus, not just aware of what's happening, not just attending church, but daily, day in, day out, we follow after him. So we, we've broken this down into four different things. This is what it looks like to do this mission at our church. It's these four things. One is follow Jesus. The second, grow together. The third, serve one another. And the fourth is live on mission. Let's say these together. One, two, three. Follow Jesus, grow together, serve one another, and live on mission. This is everything that we do fits into one of these four things. And it has to start with Jesus. It has to start with Jesus. Jesus Christ is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. You need Jesus. We can't save ourselves. We try and we try. We cannot do it. We have to follow after Jesus. And he loves you so much. He cares for you more than you could ever imagine. We give our lives to following after Jesus. Then we grow together. We serve one another. We live on mission. This is what we do, and we are eat up with that at this church. This is what we live for. And I love hearing stories about people that are like, they've got this, and they're living on mission, and this is what their life is about. Like, we have all sorts of things. We have jobs. We have careers. We have family. But at our core, it's like, I'm, I'm following Jesus in all these different areas. So I sat with a guy this week. He's telling me, oh, you know, I'm working on so-and-so. I said, what do you mean working on him? He says, I, I got, a, I got a, a person that I'm trying to get to follow after Jesus. And so we, we were working on this guy, and now we got this guy in, and now we're working on someone. He's got a list of people that he's working on, like 
he's like dog the bounty hunter for Jesus, all right? He's, he's going after people and he's eat up with it and this is what he's doing. It's like, I gotta go after this person and this person and this person. Paul said it like this in Romans. He says this, I serve God by spreading the good news about his son. Like, that's what we do. And it's important. Why is it important? There's this old book uh, by a man named Larry Stockstill. He's a pastor in South Louisiana. He wrote a book called 25 Lines Around. It's been out for a long time. If he were to write today, it would be called 32 Lines Around. And let me tell you what that means. If you line up people from here, heel to toe, all the way down the interstate to Feltner's Whataburger in Russellville, Arkansas. Okay, praise God for that place. That's about 260,000 people. That's a lot of people. If you lined up all the people in the whole world that don't know Jesus, let me tell you how long that line would be. It would be from here all the way to San Francisco, And from San Francisco, across the Pacific Ocean, you go all the way to Hong Kong. From Hong Kong, they're lined up all the way back to London, England, and then cross the ocean again and make it back to Fort Smith, Arkansas. That line, 32 times around the earth, that's how many people don't know Jesus right now. God has called us to break into that line. That's the call of God in this church. And that's what we're doing. And that's what we're eat up with. Last year, we saw 1,250 people baptized across the state at New Life Church. Let's give God some praise for that. There are thousands of people getting their lives right with Jesus. Even this morning in the first service, at the end of the service, and I'll go ahead and tell you, I believe that God is calling you home. And if you're not like following Jesus, even if you're just like, I know about him, I've been in church, but I'm not a follower, then at the end, I'm going to give you an opportunity to say, hey, I'm going to follow after him. I did that in the first service, hands up all across this place. People are getting their lives right with Jesus. It's a great time to get your life right with God, and to come back home. Philippians 1.27. Now, I love the way the Living Bible says this. It says it like this. Remember always to live as Christians should, so that you are standing side by side with one another, with one strong purpose to tell the good news. Remember always to live as Christians should so that you're standing side by side with one strong purpose to tell the good news. Three things in this verse, if you can keep that up there. It says this, and I want you to circle it or write this down or underline it or something. First is this, circle to live. Like we're called to live the Christian life, live as Christians should. And then circle this, to tell to live, to tell the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our only hope in this life and the one after is Jesus. And then the last thing I want you to underline or circle or write down is this, side by side. We're to live the good news, we're to tell the good news, and we're to do it with other people. The Bible says to do it side by side. I want to look at a story today where we see people doing this very thing. 
And this story is so important that it's told three different times in the gospel. It's told in Matthew 9, it's retold in Mark 2, and in Luke chapter 5, which is where we're going to read it today. We're going to start in verse 17. It says this, one day Jesus was teaching. Let me say this, when you hear this story, I want you to think of a couple of different things. I want a few things to stick out to you. One, what does this story tell you about Jesus? Because you're going to learn some things about Jesus, who he is, what his heart's like, what he thinks about uh, people that come to him. You're going to learn about Jesus. The second thing when you're reading this story is, what does this story say about me? Okay? I want you to look for both of those things in this passage. One day, Jesus was teaching. And Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them. He took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Don't you love Jesus? I love to read the stories of how he was with people. You can see this from several different perspectives. One we know about Jesus is that when you bring a need before him, he doesn't ignore it. He cares for you. He loves you. He sees you. He allowed himself to be interrupted from teaching. What he was doing, teaching in that place, was important. But it wasn't too important to not be interrupted. He was glad that they brought him. It tells us a lot about God. But I want to look at this. What does this show us about who we need to be? Because I believe that there are some things that God would say to us this year at New Life Church and to all believers. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through just a few of them. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. The first one is this. I must love on a higher level. They became concerned for their friend. And this is really a principle of godly, real love, is that every bit of the mission that we live on, when we talk about living on mission, it has to flow from a place of love. The Bible says, listen, I don't care what it is that you're doing, how you're doing it, how talented you are, how confident you feel. The Bible says if you don't do it with love, then it amounts to nothing. 1 Corinthians 13.1 says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, like I can do this, 
but I don't have love, then I'm a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. Nothing I say, nothing I know, nothing I do matters without love. And people, more than ever, they have to know that you care about them. They have to know that you genuinely love them with the love of God. I used to work for a man, and he would say this, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They want you to know that you love them. And before you ever even, like, I know people in my life, before I share the gospel with them, I need to think, do they know that I love them? How do they know that I care and love about them? They don't just want to hear what I have in my head and what I have to say. They don't just want my advice because I got good advice to give. They have to know that you love them. When I was growing up, I told you all I, I never did a whole lot of manual labor as a, a young man. But one thing I did do is I would mow the church ground uh, that we that we had back then. And I would be out there with they'd give me a whole pile of tools and things and I'd be in charge of it. The grass didn't look very good, but it was cut. Praise God. And so I, one time they gave me this thing called an, an edger. Y'all know what edger is? Yeah, everybody does except me. <laughs> I didn't know, you know. And so I grabbed that thing and I was trying to edge and this man came up to me and he would come out. Every, I would mow on Fridays and he'd come out and he'd say, you're doing it wrong. And I'd say, oh, oh, okay, well. And he'd just, you know, criticize me a little bit. The next week, you're doing it wrong. And eventually I got fed up with it. I was like, I know I'm doing it wrong. Help me. Like, show me the, how I'm supposed to do it. Here, you take it. And he didn't care anything about helping me. He just wanted to give me advice. Y'all ever been around somebody like that? They, they like to criticize. They like to say certain things. But when it comes, like, Pick up the clothes and fold them then if you want to fold it a certain way. You know what I mean? Like, that's exactly how I felt in my heart. Like, he didn't care. I didn't know that he cared. I just knew he wanted to give me advice. People are like this. If you don't care for them and you don't show them that, they, that you love them, then a lot of times, listen to me, they don't care what you have to say. They want to know you love me. You care for me. And I'll tell you this. This year... This church, you and me, we have got to love like crazy. We've got to love people in radical ways. This is an election year. That's all I got to say. You know already you're going to be tested. You got to love people. We are going to love in this house. Amen? You can get, amen? Okay, come on, church. Let's go, class. We're going to love in this place. I'm going to start right now loving you. Praise the Lord. Listen, you can make a lot of mistakes. You can do a lot of things wrong. The disciples, they made mistakes. They made 31 major mistakes in the Bible. They made mistakes walking with Jesus. They made mistakes after the resurrection. They made mistakes after the Holy Spirit was given to them. They made all kinds of mistakes. But you know one thing that they got right? Jesus taught them how to love people, and they loved people, and it changed the world. The way the early church loved and how they moved with love and the power of the Holy Spirit and how they cared for one another, it threw society upside down because of the radical love that they had. 1 Corinthians 14 says, make love your aim and then set your heart on spiritual things. Number two, 
I must believe on a higher level. This is a faith principle. This story is. And I'll tell you what's remarkable about it. Look at this in Luke 5.20. It says this. Read this with me. One, two, three. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Whose faith did he see? Their faith. It doesn't say when Jesus saw the faith of the man on the mat, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. It says when he saw their faith, there is plural. It's multiple. He's looking up. He's seeing these guys ripping the roof off of this place and lowering a man through. This guy, this guy's paralyzed. And so I guarantee you he's been paralyzed for a long time. He's probably heard things, all this, all that. But his circumstances have him in such a way that his faith is probably not very much. And in that moment, what did he need? He had to have the friends who had faith take him to Jesus. They believed before he could even believe. And I hope a few things from this. One, I hope that you have friends that are around you that have spiritual faith for you. When you ask me to pray for you, and I pray for people every single day, and I pray for people that are sick, and I pray for people that are going through things, and when I pray, I believe that God hears me, and I believe that he can do anything, and I'm praying, and I'm asking, and I pray like you are my own family when I'm praying for you, okay? I have faith for you, but sometimes when I look in the mirror, like the faith that I have for you, I don't even have for myself. And there have been times where I don't even understand why, but like, I believe it for you. And then for me, it's like, I just, I don't know. And in those times, you have to have somebody that you can call that's going to have faith for you. That's why we do life groups and we have this whole thing set up for you. You have to make these relationships in your life and surround yourself with people when a plane is going down, the pilot says, mayday, 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 I'm going down, okay? And there are going to be times in your life where you have a mayday, a mayday, and a mayday can't wait until a Sunday. You got to have somebody that when it's mayday time, I pick up the phone and I call and I say, hey, mayday, mayday. If you don't have those friends and you're in a troubled spot, you have to make those relationships in your life. And you need to make the friends you need before you need them. That's why we give you these opportunities today. There are going to be times where you have to be carried just like this guy. Let me tell you this. The other side of it is you need to be that kind of friend. Like there need to be people in your life where you have faith for them. And you are carrying them. You have to be this kind of spiritual friend. This guy is paralyzed. And in a sense, there are a lot of people that you probably know that are paralyzed in life by lots of different things. That They don't have any faith at all. And they're bound up and they can't move. And it's going to have to be you that brings them to Jesus, just like these friends did, so that Jesus can work in their heart and their life. This is important. A lot of people are paralyzed in life. They're paralyzed by fear. Almost all of us know somebody, and it might be ourselves, but usually we have a friend 
that is dealing with anxiety, they're dealing with fear, they're dealing with worry, and it's got them all bound up. There are people that are paralyzed by guilt that don't even want to come to church because they feel so guilty about the way that they've been living and the life that they've had. And we know these people, and it's like guilt has them paralyzed. People paralyzed by resentment that maybe they've been done wrong in church before. Maybe they've been done wrong by a spouse, or maybe they've been done wrong by a parent. I see this a lot. And that resentment and that gets in them and it's hardened their heart to the point where they're paralyzed. They can't. There's all sorts of things that cause people to be that loneliness and grief. Maybe it is you that God has put in their life so you can be one of these friends when they can't get over it, when they can't move, They need you to bring them to Jesus. There is a spiritual battle that is going on. Always. God has a plan for your life. The people that you know and love, your coworkers, your friends, your family. God has a plan for their life. The enemy also has a plan for their life. And I'm telling you, sometimes God will use your life to help their lives. And this has to be something that gets on the inside of us. Like this has to stir up in you, okay? You have to think this way when you go that my faith, I'm not just using my faith for myself, but I have to look around me. Who has God put in my life that I'm going to be the one that brings them to Jesus? Because only Jesus can do what Jesus can do. I can't give you a new heart. I can't mend all your brokenness. Only Jesus can. And these friends had a thing about them where they said, if we can just get him to Jesus, Jesus can heal his broken body. And for you and for me, we have to believe if we can just get them to Jesus. If we can just get them to Jesus, how many of your lives in here right now have been changed because you got to Jesus or Jesus got to you? Look look at your own heart and see what God has done and know and believe that it's not just you that he can do that for. The people in your life that are broken, he can do the same for them. If we can just get them to Jesus. Hebrews 7.25 says, Jesus is able now and always to save those who come to God through him. We don't do the saving. We absolutely don't. Only Jesus does that. But these guys brought their friend to meet Jesus. And we have to have that on the inside of us. Number three, last one, is I must serve on a higher level. The Bible says that they brought to Jesus a man who was paralyzed and laying on a mat. And they actually, they tore these tiles off of the roof. They they had this plan in their heart, okay? They had this plan. They heard Jesus can do miracles, and they heard that Jesus can heal, and they knew that their friend needed healing. And so it took the sweat of a servant to pick this man up and to bring them to Jesus. And when they got there, 
there was obstacles in the way. The place was so packed that they couldn't get him to Jesus, and there was a wrench in their plan. And they had this thing in them where they said, it, it doesn't matter that there are obstacles in the way because we're not going to give up. And we're going to do what it takes. So the front door that's packed is jammed. The back door can't get in. The windows of the place, no, we can't get near Jesus. And the crowd is so big that even if we just wait till afterwards, the crowd's going to follow him and we, we won't have a chance. What can we do? And it took people doing something to break through these obstacles and to break through these barriers, to tear this hole in the roof and lower a friend down so that he can meet the Lord. And you think about in this place, if somebody tore a hole in this roof, security would be all over it, okay? <laughs> they just would be. I'd probably run off stage, you know, I don't want anything to do with it. But it took some people that said, no, I'm going to do this. And they served their friend the best way that they knew how. They broke down barriers and obstacles. Let me tell you what happens on Sundays here. What happens every time we gather and we meet. There are people all over this place from the moment you pull into a parking lot. They're pulling down obstacles. They're breaking down barriers. We make this, we want it to be a place where you can come in and there is few barriers and obstacles as possible because we want you to meet Jesus. We want you to experience the presence of God. It's only Jesus that can help you. And so we have people that, oh, it's cold outside, but we got somebody that comes in early and turns on the heat. We got people making coffee. We got people opening the doors for you. We got people that are ministering and loving and pastoring kids next door. We do all these things because we want this to be a place where it's easy to come in and meet Jesus. All of us have to adopt this mentality as a church. And what can I do to tear down a barrier and make it easy for someone to come in and meet the Lord? This year... I believe this, I truly do, that we are going to see God move. I mean, we do. We have. I believe that this year we're going to see just a move of God in this place like we haven't before, or maybe we haven't in a while. I think that there are going to be a lot of people that come in and they find hope in Jesus. And I'm praying for just a revival to happen in this city this year. There's so many people that are lost. Those lines, those 32 lines around the world that we're going to make a dent in that in this place, in this city. I'm praying that the lost would be found that those that are broken would be made whole again. Do you believe that with me? That students would come in this place and their passion for the Lord would push the rest of us because we see how much they love and care and how seriously they're taking this. That people would get connected in community and life groups like they never have before. That people would live on mission every single day and we wouldn't be able to even handle, we wouldn't know what to do with all the people that are coming in, giving their hearts to Jesus. 
Do you want that with me? We want that. We pray for that. It can happen. And sometimes it takes four friends who will tear the roof off a place. And I'm asking you, determining your heart today, this year, I'm going to be one of those. Some days you'll be on the mat. Some days you'll be carrying the mat. You're going to be one of those this year. Amen.